Hello everyone, it's Mark Goodacre here. Welcome to the NT Pod, the podcast all about the New Testament and Christian origins. It's episode 24, and today we're going to be asking, was Mark the first gospel to be written? In the previous episode of the NT Pod, we looked at the synoptic problem and looked at the fact that the synoptic problem is the name that scholars give to the whole puzzle about the relationship between Matthew, Mark and Luke, the synoptic gospels. And we ended before we'd actually got to the question of which is the first of those synoptic gospels. Is any one of them the source for the other two? Well, as anyone who's familiar with New Testament scholarship will know, there's a really major consensus view on this and I say really major because it's shared by probably at least 90-95% of those scholars writing on the area but of course you know consensuses are fickle so it's always important to examine our reasons for uh, believing this. Now I'm with the majority on Mark and Priority, the idea that Mark is the first gospel to be written and I'll lay out a couple of reasons why I think it's the most plausible explanation of the evidence. One thing, though, that we should probably say is that it's still a relatively modern concept, the idea that Mark was the first gospel to be written, because the consensus of the early church was that Matthew was the first gospel, and that's the been the viewpoint for much of Christian history. And it's really only because of scholarship beginning in the mid-19th century or so and continuing right through the 20th century that people really have come to accept the idea just on internal grounds alone, that Mark is much more likely to be the first gospel than the second or the third one. Now, the way that I like to focus this question is to say, well, in Mark, you haven't got much material that's not in Matthew and Luke. In other words, unlike those categories, special Matthew and special Luke, the, the, the bits of material that are in just Matthew and just Luke, there's not much material that's in only Mark. In fact, you know, you can top them up very quickly. And the interesting thing is that the special marker material, the stories or the sayings that are just in Mark, are quite unusual. And straight away that forces a question, because if the special material, the material that's only in Mark, is kind of unusual, straight away you, you'll, you'll be saying to yourself, well, isn't it more likely that Matthew and Luke both omitted that material than that Mark went out of his way to include that material? Let me explain what I mean. One of the pericopes that's only in Mark is the story of the blind man of Bethsaida in Mark chapter 8. And it's a curious story because Jesus attempts to heal the man and it takes a couple of goes to do it. So the first time that he heals the man, he says, what do you see? And the man says, I see people walking around like trees. And so then Jesus uh, heals him again and, and this time he is fully restored and that's not the kind of healing that you ever get in Matthew and Luke. In Matthew and Luke healings are always instantaneous, they don't ever take a while to happen. So you can imagine why Matthew and Luke would both want to omit that story. The same thing is true with another story in the special market material and that's the story of the man who runs away naked at Jesus's arrest in Mark 14. It's a peculiar little story, only a couple of verses or so and given its rather enigmatic nature it's easier to imagine again what why Matthew and Luke would have omitted that story than why Mark would have gone out of his way to include it. Of course, it's never impossible to say, well, Mark could have added th these kind of stories. And that's where you have to bring something else in, something that relates to this, which is to say, well, okay, 
if these stories, these little bits of special Mark are kind of unusual, what about the stories that Mark would have had to have omitted if he was working from Matthew and or Luke? And when you start looking at this kind of material, you start saying, well, there's quite a lot of congenial material there that you would expect Mark to have included. If you remember from last time that we looked at these kind of synoptic issues, I detailed the fact that you've got 200 or 250 or so verses of double tradition material that's just in Matthew and Luke. Now, if Mark is the third gospel, then what's happened there is, is he's, he's, this is all the stuff that he's omitted. And you have to say, is it the kind of thing that he would have omitted? Would he have omitted this material deliberately in order to include those other stories about things like the blind man of Bethsaida and the man running away naked in the garden? Well, the kind of thing that he omits is a lot of the material that's in Matthew 5 to 7 in the Sermon on the Mount, including things like the Beatitudes, the Lord's Prayer and so on. And he omits a lot of the kind of parable material from Matthew and Luke, which we, we know that uh, Mark kind of likes. I mean, he's very fond of parable material in his gospel. So it's, it's, it's not impossible that he did this, but as you start to think about it, the idea that Mark was the third gospel to be written causes a kind of problem in getting a feel for what the kind of profile of Mark as a redactor, as an evangelist is. Because if Mark has gone out of his way to add a few odd stories and expand some of the other stories and then at the same time omit so much really kind of good juicy uh, material. You have to say well what kind of person is this and, and can we find a really good way of understanding what he's done because you know in, in antiquity if you were trying to create an epitome trying to sort of summarize the content that you've got in a couple of other books, I think you would do it in a different way from the way that Mark seems to have gone about, about doing it. So I think the relationship between the additions and omissions that would have to be the case if uh, Mark were the third gospel, that that kind of profile that you, that you have to sort of build up if Mark was third, it's such an implausible looking kind of profile that you have to say it's much more likely that he was the first gospel and not the second or the third. Now that of course isn't the only argument in favour of Mark and priority. One of the ones that gets used a lot in the literature is that Mark is the one that often has the harder reading when you set Mark alongside Matthew and Luke. So for example in Mark 6-5 at the end of the rejection at Nazareth story he has, um, there's a moment where the narrator says that he could do no mighty work there except that he healed one or two people and you know he was amazed at their unbelief and people focus on the fact that Mark says he could do no mighty work there, which might seem to limit Jesus's power. And in the in the Matthean parallel in Matthew 13, you have he just he did no mighty work there. He he chose not to do a mighty work there. It's not a hugely persuasive argument, but roughly speaking, I think it just kind of pushes us in the direction of Mark and priority, rather like the way that when the rich young ruler comes to Jesus in Mark chapter 10. Uh, and he says, good teacher. And Jesus responds in Mark, he says, why do you call me good? No one's good but God alone. And then you compare that with Matthew. And in Matthew's gospel, it, it's not, why do you call me good? It's why do you ask me about what's good? And you have to say, is it more likely there that Mark has changed the, the Matthean uh, wording there or that Matthew's changed the Markan wording? So it's another example of a slightly harder reading in Mark as compared to the other gospels. And in this case, uh, particularly Matthew, because Luke does have a similar reading there to Mark. So the harder reading argument 
it might tell a little bit in favour of mark and priority. Another argument which might tell in favour of mark and priority is that both Matthew and Luke seem much more explicit about the events of 70. It looks like Matthew and Luke are really quite clear in the way that they have Jesus prophesying the destruction of Jerusalem in 70. So as compared to Mark, I think one could say that Matthew and Luke seem more clearly in that category, clearly to be post-70. And there are other things as well. I mean, one of the things which I think persuades me that Mark makes makes much better sense as the first gospel is that there's something rather raw and energetic about the way that Mark writes. This, it, it's, if you like, it's the most oral of the gospels. It's the one that has the most colloquialisms, the one that has kind of broken sentences. It's the one that it's the one that repeatedly has and, and, and. It's the one that has the historic present so that you have Jesus says instead of Jesus said. It's the one which has immediately, immediately, immediately. So there's a real kind of exciting energy there in Mark's gospel, a very oral, colloquial feeling kind of gospel. The kind of thing that makes a lot better sense as the first gospel of the three synoptics, the one that's drawing together lots of that material from the oral tradition, rather than the one that is somehow gathering together in a literary way the different strands from Matthew and Luke. You see, the Griesbach hypothesis, which sees Mark as the third gospel, is actually in its own way quite a literary sounding hypothesis because it suggests that what Mark is doing is just comparing and contrasting Matthew and Luke and trying to draw together the strands of where they agree and where they disagree. And that kind of conflation doesn't make very good sense of that kind of energy that's there in Mark. So in other words, it's something about the profile of Mark the Evangelist, the profile of Mark the Redactor, that does make better sense on the assumption that Mark is the first gospel and not the third. It, I think it's, it's the case that Mark is somehow that kind of brutish genius who gets the whole kind of gospel writing thing going. He, he's, he's the one that kind of sets the whole, you know, um, fire going. And he, he, he is not the kind of person who is carefully conflating in a rather patient way that is, is, the, is suggested by those that think Mark was the third gospel conflating the earlier two. So the, the picture that I form in my head of Mark really makes him much more likely, I think, to be the first of the gospel writers. Now, all of those arguments are ones that have been used in the past in the literature in, in different ways. I mean, I've put my own particular spin on them. I have developed my own argument for Mark and Priority, but rather than just cover that in a couple of minutes in one whole NT pod that's dealing with Mark and Priority. I've decided to save that one for the future. Uh, I'll just reference it now. Uh, I don't know yet which episode it'll be when I deal with it, but um, it's an argument from editorial fatigue, and it's an argument that suggests that when Matthew and Luke are copying material from Mark, when they're copying stories and accounts from Mark, what they do is they often change material right at the beginning of the story, but then drift into the wording of their source afterwards. And I think it's a group of data, it's a kind of phenomenon that makes much better sense if Mark is the first gospel and Matthew and Luke are copying from them. But I want to take a little bit of time to explore that theory in more detail in a future episode of the NT pod. But that's some of my reflections for now on the theory of Mark and priority, the idea that Mark was the first gospel gospel to be written and it's the second of our three back-to-back -back episodes on the synoptic problem. Next time I'm going to be looking at the other major 
issue in synoptic problem studies and one that I do have an opinion on and that's the question of whether or not Q existed and that'll be coming soon on the NT pod. Thanks very much for listening to the latest episode of the NT pod. It's been good to have your company. You can find me on the web at podacre.blogspot.com on iTunes or Duke University's iTunes U. And if you'd like a little bit more, I've got an extended episode on this topic, which is based on a lecture that I gave at Duke University as part of my introduction to the New Testament course. You should be able to find it on the feeds. It's headed NT Pod, extended episode two. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you soon.